victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top four? Stanley, it doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Welcome back to the Oz Football Hour here on FNR Football Nation Radio. Jason Goldsmith and Josh Parrish with you until 7pm. Hoping to be joined by Kayla United's Ryan Walters later on in the hour. Uh, But first, we've got some... Melbourne Derby action to dissect and it was a bit of a shock result to be honest. Uh, Given City's form, given that these ties have usually been pretty tight, often drawn games with neither side willing to risk too much and neither side really wanting to lose uh, we had a pretty emphatic result for Melbourne victory with Marco Rojas seemingly back to his best scoring twice in a spectacular performance. It was uh, It was pretty uh, vintage Rojas and uh, one imagines that the all-whites recall will not be be far away, Jason. Absolutely. And you think about it, the form line leading in, City had won 6-0, they had won 4-0 against Sydney leading into it and Simon Hill was calling it as, you know, it's their their title to lose, their grand final not to to be a part of. Rojas has been amazing. Well, I was a bit cheeky about him uh, the last week or so. He certainly turned it on with some cracking goals. We've got Lockie Flanagan joining us now as well, uh, who was at the derby. Uh, Lockie, what did you make of of City's uh, disintegration, shall we say? Uh, It was interesting. I I think City's biggest problem in this game was they, they committed the golden mistake, the one thing you can never do against a Tony Popovich side, and that's conceded within five minutes. You can you can never ever cough up an early early lead to a side who are so as stout as Victory are defensively. That that was problem number one. Um, but I just think they just got wrecked down down both flanks. I really think, um, particularly in that opening sort of twenty to thirty minutes where Victory did just sort of steal a march on the game. Um, you know, Scott Jamison had a really, really tough time, you know, battling with Marco Rojas and Davidson bombing on as well. He really just got overwhelmed. And obviously the penalty that gets given away, it's obviously Glover is the player who commits the foul, but he sold a little bit short by a back pass from, you know, from Jamison. And then he was caught, obviously not much you could do about the second goal. That one's on Glover. But the third one, you know, maybe Jamo's a little bit, too far away from Rojas to be fair it was a fine finish as all of Rojas's goals were take nothing away from that but yeah I just think that that weakness down both flanks really cost them throughout the game and one nil is a hard enough situation to come back from against uh, Tony Popovich Melbourne victory three when you also lose your best midfielder to a hamstring injury within 40 minutes forget about it Forget about it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Rojas has made a habit of scoring against Hart slash City over the years. Mm. Uh, he's a perennial menace in these fixtures. But do you think the last couple of games has signalled a, a significant turnaround in his form, a, a return to the, the Rojas of old? Yeah, he's back. <laughs> he's yeah, back. Officially? How he's not in the New Zealand um, 
squad at the moment. Like, if he was an Australian in playing in that form in the A League, we would be calling for him to get into the Socceroos. Mm. Uh, We've caught up worse, like? to be fair. So. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he's he was in magnificent form. Um, you mentioned um, Tom Glover. All right, so the Jemmo back pass for the penalty wasn't really... He didn't have... Well, it was his fault. Because he caused the, the penalty, but the, the back pass was short. The second goal he punched, the double fist punch, there didn't seem to be anyone near him. You want to talk me through Yeah, that? like like I said, that, that one was definitely on him because I, I was speaking to a few other people on on the night, including, um, you know, a couple of people who were with me. One, one of them is a goalkeeper. And, you know, they said to me that that, that ball in that kind of an area, the way it came in, it's it, it should be a collection with both hands and he yeah. had both hands to it very clearly. I mean, you know, he was able to get two fists to it. Why not, you know, instead just try and, you know, really assert yourself on the area and, and claim it. I, I really, other than the pressure of the occasion and the amount of bodies in the box, you don't want to get it wrong. Victory will feed off the scraps. I cannot for the life of me imagine why you would want to go for the double-fisted punch in that... <laughs> In that moment, especially if where you're punching the ball to is the one spot that people are usually waiting at from from the downfall of a corner. Like, people are always... Somewhere, there's always someone on the edge of the box. Yeah, it was a free kick, I think it was. But I agree, he was the only one in the air for that. He must have been rattled. I mean, this was the... That was the second goal. That was at 14 minutes. So, 3-0, and that was after 27 minutes, the score was 3-0. And then the crowd did their best to make the game finish early. So we saw, <laughs> we saw the whistle. We saw the halftime whistle, which happens to be another great, I think, peak A League moment we're going to remember for many years to come. Uh, for those who didn't see, someone in the crowd did the refs whistle, and um, the game finished. The, the ground announcer started. They were putting cones out for the, the halftime game. Yeah, the juniors were out. The juniors were streaming their way up the sideline, and I thought we were going to get sort of. One of those weird games you get on, uh, like, like Japanese TV. Yeah, Japanese TV, where you get like you know twenty-two Melbourne Victory and Melbourne City playing against a hundred juniors from you know <laughs> Barwon Soccer Club. Uh, not to be, unfortunately, but yeah, the second whistle in in towards the end of the ninety minutes, I don't think fooled too many people. But the first one that duped absolutely everyone. I will put my hand up. I'll say completely fooled me it fooled the paramount coverage they they went to they cut to the grand prix fireworks off in the distance <laughs> and robbie thompson had jumped into his uh you know halftime spiel but no no everyone was completely uh, sold a dream by that first whistle <laughs> shout out to whoever that was well done amazing like is this going to be a, 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 the beginning of a spate of of fake uh Halftime and full time the breaks. Co- the copycat prankster. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, could, so. could we have like serial pests on our hands? I kind of hope so. <laughs> I, don't, I, mean, I mean, obviously not for the the seriousness of the league, but I have to admit, it was pretty funny. Yeah, it's funny once. That's the thing, right? Yeah, that's it's always true. funny once. It, it, it was already getting old by yeah. full time. For, yeah. Me, yeah. for me, it's not the whistle that's funny. It's everything that happened around. <laughs> The, oh, the deception of the whistle that's so hilarious. Like, I, I haven't laughed as much as I did as seeing that poor guy, Victory Volunteer, who was just earnestly trying to put his cones out so the juniors could play, realising what had happened, and then just having to do, like, inspector gadget <laughs> arms running off the field as he tried to hurriedly pick up his cones. That's just... I mean, if that guy's out there and he's, he's watching or he's seen the video that I sent out of him on Twitter. Apologize, I apologize for making fun of you, but you, even you would have to admit 
it was pretty funny. And Chris Beef <laughs> looked funny. like a, he wasn't happy with it at all and he looked like an angry school teacher. Well, Chris Beef always looks like an angry school well, teacher. Well, he did. He was very, very, didn't see the funny side of it at all through the process. So, um, great. An atmosphere, Lockie, was good. Yeah, North 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 Ter- Terrace were absolutely fantastic. It was great to see nearly that whole whole area pretty much behind the mm. goals filled out, and they had a, a good time, sort of poking fun at the city fans who were stuck in the corner. Who, to be fair, you know that they made an okay noise when the game was still in the balance, but after that, you know they were just fighting a, an uphill battle really against a whole whole wall of uh, victory voices. Yeah, no, it was good. It, it was it was the closest. I, I w- would say that the noise, at least, the atmosphere of it was probably as close as I've seen it to, like, the real mm. best, like, sold-out house kind of things. I mean, if, if it had have been competitive, I think that might have made a difference. But that was about as close as we've gotten, I think. I was at 17,000. I thought that was quite good given what the weather and also what was on in Melbourne. What was going on, weekend. yeah. I mean, so, there was Richmond and Western Bulldogs were playing across the road. There was the Formula One. There was... I mean, the comedy festival, there was plenty of things to be spending your time in. You went to Crowded House yes, as well, Jason. Yeah, I did. So, my music yeah, well, people everywhere. It was good. There were Melbourne, lots of, Melbourne's back. It's yeah. nice after a few years to be able to get angry at people bumping into you everywhere. Yeah, well, I think it was Alessandro Diamante who was walking through uh, Flinders Street doing his Instagram story just saying, you know, my two years in Melbourne, I've, I've never seen this many people. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> did uh, Crowded House perform their, their famous song? Hey now, don't whistle if it's not over. Yeah, don't dream. Yeah, the forty-five minutes aren't over. That's what they closed with. Yeah, so good from you, Josh. That's all right. <laughs> like, um, it's whistled wide over Lockie's head. Yeah, too young for it. Missed it. So City were in some form um, leading into that. Lecky kicked an amazing goal in the midweek fixture against Sydney mm. FC. Kicked a couple. Um, it was held fairly quiet. But um, the Berenguer injury. Do we know how serious that was? Because he went off before half. Looked like a pulled hammy to me. Yeah, it, it is a. It is a. Pulled hammy. I think it might even have been a torn. Has he gone? Torn, has he travelled to? I Thailand? don't. Yeah. I don't think so. But I'm not 100 percent sure. I, I, I PK did not seem particularly confident about it at the end of the game, and that's that's a massive loss because he has been easily, easily. I mean, I mean, maybe I guess Lecky has sort of pulled back into contention. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about the course of the entire season to date. Berenger has easily been their best player, their most close to Johnny player. Warren, medalist favourite too. I would have thought he's yeah. been astounding. For yeah, them, exa- exactly. So it's it's a it's a massive loss, and I guess this depends on really where their end of season ambitions mm. lie. But if you're looking at it from a league perspective, I guess it's a good thing for them that they've got that presumable presumably month that he'll be out for. You know, hamstring injuries are usually four weeks or so. Um, they've got that month away from the A-League and so he'll hopefully be back by that time. But then it obviously hurts their Champions League ambitions if that's really where their aims are. But, you know, they can they can bring out the forgotten Italian if they remember his name. Bucci? Yeah. I think he's already gone back to his home planet. I don't think they needed him. No. Well, they do now. <laughs> Might have to get him back. That's it. I, I think it was the... I think it's the grand final preview if you look mm. at the form of the, the clubs and leading into it. So I don't think um, Patrick Esnorbo will like to hear you say that. <laughs> I'm not sure. So, like, victory at 12 points behind City with four games in hand. You see four wins, it's spot on, right? Mm. It's, it's, it's close. Well, I mean, if this is to be the... If, if this is to be the, the grand final eventually, I think... Patrick Isnorbo is going to have to do a lot of thinking and studying about how he is going to uh, 
change the equation against victory because I, I think even in the second half, I, I thought this game was an absolute whitewash. Like it was three 0 You know, you can say that that's not necessarily the most. It's an under underperformance from victory in the second half. Victory would have preferred to get four or five and have it be a statement win like the ones that City were able to get in previous you, seasons. You've got to try and overturn the deficit from last year. Like, that's true. They, uh, are they working, took their foot off the pedal. They are working against mm. a heavy aggregate, but still, like <laughs> this, this was a this was more than a three 0 performance. Like City had more of the ball in the second half, but a lot of that was. A lot of that for me was as a consequence of victory being happy to let them have the ball. Like, I mean, we all watched the game. You know, can you really think of a, a genuine patch in this game where City actually threatened the goal? I mean, Kelliver made one save, I think, off, no, off Tilio in the only f- had about first half. Three yep. shots. But yeah, yeah t- I think it was two shots on target yep. for the game. And like, one of them was Jenkinson from outside the box. Yeah, and, and Naboo firing into into the, the corner of Amy Park with his, you know, Maybe step over were cut their bags, Were their bags already packed for Thailand? Were they sort of ready to go? Because ready. from from the two games previously, they like they were phoning it in. Um, and it was also victory's first win since 2019 in a in a Melbourne derby. Which I also impressive. think there's potentially some accumulated fatigue there, but I think what's really holding City back this season is the sense of hierarchy in the squad as to who plays. Mm. Because, um, you know, Geordie Boss... He was great on Wednesday. He scored his first goal. It was amazing. He should have played, but Scott Jamison is the captain um, and he was absolutely torched. Uh, you know, and and same with Stefan Kolakowski, just hasn't had enough minutes this season. I don't think there's been enough rotation in that squad, even with the injuries and absences that they've had due to the, the soccer yeah, games. Which, which is even crazier when you consider how many games they've had to back up and do with the Champions League in mind. Like they've played more games than anyone else. They're also short one creative midfielder for mine to deputise for Berengue, because in my opinion, although he can do it. It's not an ideal fit, Tilio at 10. He's a winger. He's a winger who's being forced to play centrally because of the makeup of the squad. Like, it precludes him from getting minutes anywhere else. And I think that's something of an indictment on on City squad building. I think that's going to cost them because they basically would have had a better season if Kolakowski was the first backup for the wingers. Uh, and Tilio was one of the starters, and they hadn't signed Leckie or they hadn't renewed Naboo. Mm-hmm. I, I think they could have had a better season. Well, that's the thing, and we'll see. O'Neill missed as well, so if you start getting injuries to some of those... I know that sounds crazy, guys, but it's, it's, a, no, a matter of, it's a matter of uh, assignment of resources, and I think they've, they've misallocated it. Yeah, I think uh, it could come back to bite them in this Asian Champions League campaign in particular. Yeah, they could have spent less money on... The forward players and maybe more money on a, a keeper who's not going to punch the ball right to one of the best forwards in the league. Maybe, maybe maybe a blip on the radar. We'll see. I mean, they've been they've been fairly consistent for most of the season. And just I guess it's because it's a, a derby loss that everyone sort of I, gets to look at it this that's way. True. That's yeah. true. You know what I mean, I just I do still think that this game did expose some of the bigger weaknesses that we've seen from the team this season. Like their defending in transition is something that they just really need to look at. I think. The gaps that they create, I think it's something to do with the way they play in possession, like obviously bringing the full back inside. Well, that was supposed to be a measure to guard against the transition. But I feel like it almost it's a does the opposite, now. especially against a victory side who I had just have such a significant uh, speedy and direct threat in those wide areas to even run the risk of leaving that gap there. Mm. 
don't think it works, and I don't think it worked on on Saturday. Well, maybe Paddy can uh, can call up Eric Mombarts this week and see if he's got any answers for him. But maybe it uh, might have to be a FaceTime. Yeah, might be. If you think about PK, it's what's his second full season as a coach. Mm-hmm. Like for the men's team, obviously he's done yep. tremendous work with the with the women's team and the, well, and the youth. Tremendous so, with the women's team with the most stacked squad in the competition. Still, still, okay. the best squad the competition's ever seen. So still, it's still a nice grounding to get get some silverware. That's true. I agree that's with true. you. Yes, he did have the best the best squad they've ever seen, but he's still a relatively young coach. And if you want to compare it to Tony Popovich, and from what Lockie's saying, he was outcoached. So maybe mm. it's something that he needs to just put in the memory bank and, and do a bit of extra work for the next one. It's soccer is audition for those two managers. <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, I think... I shouldn't even joke about don't, that. Don't, don't. Like, like I said to you before, Josh, you never joke about anything in Australian football because you spend too much time laughing about it. Probably it'll come, come, it comes it true. Come yeah, true. It has true. Just listen back to our uh, soccer <laughs> selection Fornaroli jo- gags yeah, from exactly. the week before he was actually picked. Lockie, thank you for your insights. Pleasure. Uh, we'll send you back outside to where you belong and... Uh, Great. I enjoyed talking. I'll go back to pushing the buttons. Yes, please. We need you pushing buttons out there. Are there gremlins out there? Stat. Um, We'll go to our Oompa Loompa songs and dances. It'll be very fun. (laughs) We're going to take a break. We've got Matilda's chat on the other side, and we're going to talk Asian Champions League.